1: Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home.
0: Well, good morning and welcome to our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point. And those of you who are joining us online, we're delighted to gather together with you to hear the word this morning. Would you all stand with me? We're going to recite the Apostles' Creed together. This is our statement of faith as a church here at Celebration. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you were here with us last week, you heard Pastor Mark say that he and Deanna were heading off to Canada for a Laugh Your Way seminar. So they are not able to be with us this morning. Their flights get back just a little too late, but he arranged a really fabulous speaker for us this morning. He is a great friend to Celebration Church and a very close friend to Pastor Mark as well. So would you please welcome Steve Corona.
1: Thank you, Becky. Good morning. How's everybody? Good. Well, uh, I am from North Carolina, so I'm a little, I have a friend. I, I'm a little conflicted because, you know, today the Packers play Carolina, and uh, so my, my only uh, salvation, after, I understand after the, uh, service today. When, when we eat lunch, we're going to be watching the game. And of course, I'm going to be surrounded by Packers fans. And my only uh, re- salvation in this whole thing is the fact that both Packers and Panthers start with PA. So I can, I can go, go Pack! And nobody understands what I say after that. <laughs> you are not buying this, are you? You're, anyway, <laughs> love, the, love the Packers, love the Panthers, I'm really conflicted, so pray for me. It's good to see you guys, and it's uh, always an honor to be here at Celebration Church. Thank you, Becky, for that introduction. And I uh, want to just give honor to Mark and Deanna Gunger. Uh, you've got great pastors, uh, we've been friends of theirs for a long, long time. And uh, uh, I have good news, which is I'm not nearly as crazy as he is. So you get a reprieve from the craziness. So good to see you today. I want to tell you a story. When uh, I was graduating in high school in 19, well, I hate to tell you the year. Okay, I'll brave it. It was 1971. I was graduating from high school and my grandmother wanted to get me a nice graduation gift and she bought me an Omega Seamaster watch. Now, back then in 1971, this watch cost $100. Back then, that's a pretty good sum of money for a watch. Now, not so much, but back then that was a pretty good watch that's a pretty good price for a watch so she sent it to me from California for my graduation and, uh, and I loved that watch so much that I wore it all the time I wore it when I played sports I wore it when I was outside when I was uh, I wore it uh, when I played football and uh, I pretty much demolished that watch I wore it Uh, And uh, actually I beat it up. I dropped it a couple of times I even stepped on it one time accidentally stepped on it and then I even uh, Wore it in college for a little bit until in my sophomore year of college the watch finally Just fell apart completely apart. It just the crystal came off of the uh, off the watch and the watch band uh, broke and it was just a a It was just a mess of parts and springs and little gears and all that stuff. So uh, I put it, all the parts, in a baggie like this and kept it all these years. I put it in the top dresser drawer of our bedroom wherever we lived, and we've moved several times Uh, Since then since I've been married had kids and we've moved and moved again and that baggie of watch parts Has stayed in my top dresser drawer and about five years ago. I was in an Omega shop and it said Omega uh, Dealer and it was Omega uh, Service department and I thought I wonder I Loved my grandmother and I wonder if they could restore that watch so I brought this baggie full of parts in and I dumped it out on the counter, and I asked the guy there at the service department, do you think you guys could restore this watch? He looked at it and he started picking through the parts and he hollered, hey Bill, come and look at this. So Bill comes over and he and Bill are sorting through those watch parts going, wow. Oh, look at that, look at this. And I said, so what, what? He said, what do you mean what? This is a vintage Omega Seamaster watch. And I said, so? And he said, what do you mean so? He said, I said, is it worth restoring? He said, you bet it's worth restoring. I said, what would it cost? He said, I don't have any idea what it would cost. We wouldn't even attempt to do it here. We would have to send it to the original watch factory in Switzerland to have it restored. But yes, it would be worth restoring. So I considered it for a minute. I don't know how much is this is going to cost, but thinking about my grandmother and, and uh, how close I was to her, I said, send it off have it restored. So they did, they sent it off, sent it back. I'm wearing it today, this is it. It's uh, completely restored. It has the original face, the original back, the original hands. Everything else is new. The watch band is new, but it is the Uh, original Omega stamped with the Omega stamp on the watch band Uh, even the clasp is the uh, original Omega not original to the watch when I wore it but it is uh, original parts and all the guts on the inside are all new and so it's restored runs perfectly I had it appraised at $5,000 now I know that there are people here who are wearing watches that are worth more than $5,000 but that's pretty good considering it Sold for a hundred dollars in 1971. I spent five hundred and fifty dollars to have the thing restored and now it's worth five thousand and it's a beautiful watch. After first service people keep coming up to me saying I want to see the watch. I want to see the watch. Anyway here it is. (laughs) I want to talk with you today about restoration. Acts chapter three, verse 19. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration. Would everyone say restoration with me? The time of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. God redeemed us from brokenness at the cross and his plan is to restore us. You are worth everything God paid for your restoration. And I know some of us in life feel like that we're broken, we're messed up. There may be people in the congregation today that feel like your life is like this. It's just a big mess in a baggie. But God loves you and God paid a price. His son Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price, his death on the cross, a sinless life, never did anything wrong and yet he died on the cross and shed his blood so that we could be restored. Restoration happens in three situations. Restoration happens, first of all, when there was something present to begin with. Restoration is not the same as creation. Creation, the Bible says that we are new creations, new creatures in Christ and all of us were born into sin. But also Genesis chapter one tells us that we were all created in the image of God and there is so much that happens to us that, uh, that beats that image of God that we were created in out of us webster says that restoration is to repair or renovate something so as to return it to its original condition and to some degree rejection rebellion stress strife competition all have eaten away or could i even say beaten away at the image of god that we were created in but god wants to restore his image in you an image of victory an image of faith an image of hope an image of restoration also restoration happens when what is restored is still valuable it's still useful I asked them when I dumped this uh, baggie of parts on the counter it actually wasn't this is this is not it this is it this is just a prop so This is not the real parts but when I dumped those parts out on the counter and asked them, is it worth restoring? The answer that the guys gave me was, you bet. And I wanna say that to you today. Your life is worth restoring, it's worth restoration. When you ask God, is my life worth restoring after everything I've been through, after everything I've had to deal with, after all the junk that's happened in my life, is my life worth restoring? And God says, you bet you are. I wanna restore you so much that I sent my only son to die for you. And then when he was resurrected, he sent the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us and to give us victory. So second of all, things are restored when they're still valuable. And thirdly, things are restored when the cost is justified. Anything can be restored. The question is, are we willing to pay the price? My wife loves Toyota Camrys and in fact, she had a 2003 Toyota Camry that she loved. And that car, I would, I would get new cars, but then every once in a while I'd need to drive, drive her car, and her car would ride so smooth. I mean, it was just like floating on air. I'd get back in my newer car and think, wow, her car rides so good. And every couple years I'd ask her, honey, don't you think it's about time for a new car? Nope, I like my Camry. And so then a couple years later, we need to get you a new car. Nope, don't mess with me, I like my Camry. And so for, she drove this 2003 Camry for years and years and years. And then uh, four years ago, she was, she came to an intersection and through no fault of her own, she ran a red light and. (laughs) Guys, you see what I did there? Learn a lesson from that. Through no fault of her own, she ran a red light and some guy T-boned her in the passenger side. Totaled the car. Cr- crunched the whole side in. Uh, the fenders were on the tires so that the tires couldn't fit, just just crushed into the tires. The window was broken and the glass was laying in the seat and the door was crushed in. And so after the police left, uh, some guys helped me. We took a couple of tire irons and pried the fenders off of the wheels of the car. And I was just going to try to hobble this car home, you know, maybe 10 miles an hour. Well, it was about 10 miles from our house. And I was going to, rather than having it towed, I was just going to try to drive it to my house. And so I got in the car and I started driving it. And I get up to 10 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour. This car's riding just as smooth, 30 miles an hour. 40 miles an hour, and so then I get brave, and I get up on the belt line, 70 miles an hour in a totaled car with the the glass laying in the passenger seat and the whole side crushed in, and it's just as smooth. It rides better than my brand new Buick. It's just so smooth. But the question is, was it worth restoring? Because it had been totaled, and it would have cost more to restore the car than the car was actually worth. So that's the third test of whether or not something is gonna be restored is, is the cost of restoration justified? As good as a car drove, it wasn't res- worth restoring, but in God's eyes, you are. No matter what you've been through, no matter what life has done to you, no matter how life has crushed you, you are worth The restoration that God has paid for you and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you to restore you to be everything God has called you to be. God loves restoration. God's in the restoration business. Acts chapter three above that we just read talks about the restoration of all things. God loves restoration, notice all things. God's restoring all things. Broken lives, broken hearts, broken marriages, broken relationships, broken dreams, broken bodies. God restores all things. Psalm chapter 23, verse one, says that God restores our souls. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Our soul scripturally, is our mind, will, and emotions. We're three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit, and our soul is our mind, will, and emotions, and sometimes our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions are damaged by so much junk that happens to us, mistreatment, lack of encouragement when we needed it, lack of leadership, abuse, no real presence of God and or parents in our early years. And yet God restores our souls. Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. God restores our joy. Remember your joy? I remember when I made a decision to follow Christ. I remember the joy. I remember the, just feeling like the burden was lifted. And I remember the joy that I had. But then life happens. Bills happen. Kids happen. Probably shouldn't have said that, that kids would affect our joy. But just life, marriage I mean, life can be tough, and we can go through some tough things in our life, but remember that joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness depends on outward circumstances. If the Packers win today, we have happiness. And if they don't win today, then we're sad. But we can have joy on the inside regardless of the outward circumstances. You don't at all look like you're buying that. The devil will try to discourage us because Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so he wants to cause things to happen in our lives and in our situations to rob us of our joy on the inside. He wants the circumstances on the outside to get on the inside so that we don't experience the joy of our salvation. But God is into restoring your joy. Many of us have joy. We just need to notify our face. Everybody smile. Now Everybody real smi- really smile. Now those of you that aren't smiling, pretend like you're smiling. <laughs> See, that's a, that's a real challenge for people. But, but on the inside, the joy of the Lord, not happiness. Happiness is not our strength. Happiness comes and goes. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the Bible says that God wants to restore our joy. Joel chapter 30 verse 17 says that God will, no, Joel chapter two, verse 24. God will restore the years that the enemy has stolen from you. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. Sometimes we fall for the enemy's tricks and we end up wasting time in relationships, careers, and or misplaced focus. But God will restore the time. Anybody in here ever made a really stupid decision and it cost you? Just three of us, I see, three hands. I've made some stupid decisions that cost me money. I've made stupid decisions that cost me weeks, months, even years of my life. I should have never decided to do that, that was stupid. But the Bible says that God will restore the time that the the locust has eaten, that the devil has stolen. And sometimes it's even years that you invested in something you shouldn't have invested your life in. But God's gonna restore that to you, amen? And then Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17 says, I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. God will restore our health. Healing is a part of God's restoration process in our lives. Matthew chapter 12, verse 13, Jesus restored a man's withered hand. That means that the hand at one time was healthy and whole. If he restored it, it must have at one time been healthy and whole. But through disease, the hand had become withered. And the Bible says that Jesus restored it back to health in mark chapter 8 verse 25 jesus restores the sight of the blind man restores his sight that he had lost and god will restore our health god wants to restore all things in our life whatever was good in your life that's missing god wants to restore it and he loves it he's in the restoration business god looks at your life and says yes you're worth everything that he has and will ever invest in you God sees past your mess and into your future. Remember the watch parts, what a mess. The guys looking at these watch parts saw something in those those watch parts I couldn't see. In fact, they found that fascinating. I said, said, what's the big deal? He said, what do you mean, what's the big deal? Uh, It looked to me just like a bag of damaged watch parts, but they could see what it could become once the investment was made and God looks at your life no matter how messed up it is and he sees what we don't see and he sees what it can become because of the investment that he has made so let's talk uh, finally about how restoration happens how does restoration actually happen Two things I want to share with you, or actually three things I want to share with you. First of all, you must be willing to make an investment in your restoration. Of course, Jesus paid the price for your restoration, but now you have to walk in it. Even though the watch was sent to its creator for restoration, I had to make an investment as well. I had to make an investment of $550 to have this watch. Restored, and you have an investment in your restoration. What are you willing to invest to see restoration in your life, in your relationship with your children, in your relationship with your spouse or other family members, in the dreams that God has placed in your heart? What are you willing to invest? And you must be willing to change your focus, change your environment, change your words. Change your thoughts. Even sometimes change your friends in order to make an investment in the restoration of your future. And there are two good indicators. I mean, as I'm talking, many of us are thinking, so do I need to change my environment? Do I need to change? My words are okay, aren't they? Do I need to, I don't need to change my friends, do I? Everybody needs, let me ask you a question. Do you have a friend that one friend, hopefully you got a lot of friends, but do you have the one friend who will always tell you the truth no matter what? Everybody needs that friend that will always tell you the truth. I'm thinking I'm gonna build a rocket ship in my backyard to go to the moon. Most of our friends will cheer us on no matter what we want to do. Yes, go for it. I believe in you. But we all need that one friend that says, let's stop and think about that for a minute. That's probably not a good idea. Do you have that friend? That's the friend that you go to and you ask them, what about my environment? What about my words? What about my thoughts? What about my other friends that I have? Do I need to change my environment in order to experience the restoration that God has for me. And then secondly, because the nature of God our Father is in us, we are also agents of his restoration among one another. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass or a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted." Now notice what this verse does not say. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass or fault, you who are spiritual are to gossip about that person. But that's what happens in the body of Christ when we see somebody who's experiencing some difficulty, somebody who's making some wrong decisions. We want to go talk to other people about it, but the Bible says that those of us who are spiritual, and that's you, isn't it? Everybody say, I'm spiritual. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm I'm the spiritual one here. Yeah. I'm spiritual, And those of us who are spiritual, we're to go to them and restore them in a spirit of gentleness, not talk about them behind their back. You know what gossip is? Gossip is when you talk to someone about someone else and the person you're talking to does not have the ability or the responsibility to do anything about it. That's what gossip is. When we go and we, I just want you to know what Betty's doing. The person that we're talking I don't know Betty, by the way, here the person that we're talking to, do they have the ability to do anything about Betty, to help Betty, to step in into that situation and bring restoration, if not? Then it becomes gossip. And the Bible says that we're not to gossip about one another, but rather we're to restore one another. Here's an idea. Go into that person. And oftentimes, if we want to bring restoration to someone who's going through a hard time, and maybe they're even making some really stupid decisions, how about going up to them and saying, I'm praying for you. Let me pray for you. That goes a long way in bringing restoration into someone's life is just to know that someone is praying for them. Restoration when we've wronged others. Luke chapter 19, verse eight. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore it fourfold. There are those people that we've wronged that we need to be a part of their restoration as well. My favorite one in this section is Job chapter 42, verse 10. It says, God restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. You can invest prayer in someone else and there's a spiritual law called sowing and reaping and when you sow restoration in someone else's life by helping them overcome what they're dealing with, then that comes back to you and works in your favor in your restoration. I'm pretty sure I told this story the last time I was here, uh, several months ago. So if you heard this before, just pretend. Just be awestruck and pretend you haven't heard it. But I uh, was doing some counseling with a lady in our church. This is some years ago. They don't let me do counseling anymore. Uh, My my method of counseling is I want to listen to you for 10 minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, and then I'll tell you what the Bible says. And if you do what the Bible says, you'll be fine. And if you don't do what the Bible says, you won't be fine. And that's all I've got. And so they, when people call the church office and say, you know, I've got to talk to Pastor Steve about my problem, they all tell him, "Uh, no, actually you don't. You don't want to talk to him. He can't help you. He's not, my wife is the counselor and the coach and she does, she does all that and she's great at it. But, uh, but back years ago when I was doing counseling uh, as a pastor and this lady came in to talk to me and she needed help and so I would listen to her week after week after week and try to help her with her issues and I just, I just couldn't get through to her. It just wasn't working and after weeks and weeks and I prayed for her, prayed with her and it just wasn't working and so finally, I came up with the idea and so she came to see me and I said this week your assignment is I want you to go to the nursing home and I want you to spend one hour with somebody in the nursing home that nobody ever goes to see and she said I can't do that you know I can't do that and I said I won't see you again unless you do and she said you have to you have to see me and I said nope I'm not going to see you unless you do it. So the next week, she actually got up the courage to go. She went in the nursing home, and she found a lady that nobody ever goes to see. All of her family is gone, and she's all by herself, and she spent an hour with her. The next time she came back to a session, I've never seen a transformation like that in my life. She was beaming from ear to ear, and all she could talk about was this lady and how she had helped this lady. She even laid hands on her and prayed for her. And she said, next week I'm going back and I'm going to spend an hour with her and then I'm going to spend an hour with the lady across the hall. What happened? It wasn't just getting her mind off of her issues. So by putting her mind on somebody else's issues, it's a spiritual law that says what she was causing to happen for somebody else, God was causing it to happen for her. And so we've got to get our minds off of ourselves and sow our lives into other people. God restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends, and when we pray and participate in the restoration of others, we are helping our own restoration. We reap what we sow. And then coming back full circle thirdly to Acts 3, 19 through 21, it says, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of God of the lord in his presence in his word and in worship we experience restoration the word that you receive here is so powerful and the worship man the worship this morning was so good don't waste that enter into worship when it happens our lives are i understand our lives are worship and our work is worship but when we have an opportunity to worship in the presence of the lord together don't waste that. I remember my first real worship experience. I was so caught up in what people thought that I, I would never raise my hands in church. I would never do that. And, but uh, we went and we visited this, uh, this Pentecostal church. Everybody was raising their hands. And I thought, you know what, I'd love to do that. But everybody, I know everybody's going to be looking at me. And I don't want everybody staring at me. I'm so self-conscious. I wasn't really worshiping God. But uh, we had gone there three or four weeks. And so one morning I decided, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this morning. I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to do it. So we got to church and we got there and they're worshiping and everybody's raising their hands. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to do it. (sighs) Here I go. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. (laughs) Finally. Okay, here we go. Three. I'm going to do it. Two. One. And then I started looking around, and I realized, you know what? Nobody's looking at me. I went through all of that, and uh, been raising my hands ever since. Been known to jump a couple of times when the, when the music <laughs> is pumped, uh, and because nobody's paying. Listen, nobody's paying attention to you, or they shouldn't be. Everybody's focused on the Lord, and we should be too have a real worship experience. And if you're not lifting your hands, it's not so much that, it is be sure you close your eyes and you focus on the presence and the power of God. There's restoration in that. If you're not yet a Christian, I wanna say to you, this is where it starts. Nothing's more stressful than carrying a conscience weighted down by sin or feeling like that you're dealing with the issues of life alone. God knew that you were worth everything that he invested in your restoration. The Son of God came and gave his life and shed his blood so that you could experience the restoration of the Holy Spirit. God knew that you were worth it. We just look at our lives like this and just wonder, is it really worth it? And God is saying, you bet it is would everybody stand with me please I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision to follow Christ you know God loves you and God has a plan for your life because of sin every single person in this building was separated from God but Jesus Christ came and paid the price for your sin with his death on the cross so that you could be free to serve him free to spend eternity with him and free to fulfill your destiny in him What you need to do is make a decision to follow Christ. And you can do that right there where you're standing. Would everybody bow your heads with me and close your eyes just for a moment? Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ before. Maybe you've never even been to church before. Maybe you've never heard music like this, never heard a message like this. Maybe somebody brought you or you just drove by and saw the church. Or maybe... You've been to church for a while, but you've never actually made a decision to follow Christ and your life is broken And you need to make a decision to follow him You need the Holy Spirit on the inside of you Or maybe you used to serve God and you've fallen away from the Lord if you went into eternity today You're not really sure what would happen to you and you're trying to life has just beat you up and something's come between you and God And you don't have that relationship that you had today's your day in just a moment i'm going to ask you to raise your hand signifying you want me to pray a prayer with you right there where you're standing repenting for your sins acknowledging that jesus is the lord of your life and asking the holy spirit to come in and empower you to be the christian that the bible promises you that you can be you can do that right there where you're standing We're gonna pray a prayer with you right there where you are. So while every head's bowed and every eyes closed, everybody that wants to pray this prayer with me and everybody that wants to make a decision to follow Christ, I want you to raise your hand real high right there where you're standing. I'm gonna pray this prayer with you right there where you are. Hands all over the building. Nobody looking around, please. Just uh, everybody, eyes closed. Anyone else? Just raise your hand right now. I want to make a decision to follow Christ. I feel like I'm far from God. I feel like that I need to make a decision to follow Christ. Amen. Would you? We're all going to pray this prayer with you together. All of us together. Just keep your hands up. Those of you that have your hands up. And all of us are going to pray this prayer with you together because you're about to become our brothers and sisters in Christ. Would everyone pray this after me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me Jesus I thank you that you willingly came and paid the price for my sin with your death on the cross so that I could be free to serve you free to spend eternity with you and free to fulfill my destiny in you I repent for my sins And I say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Starting right now. Holy Spirit, come and live on the inside of me now. And empower me to be the Christian that the Bible promises me I can be. As I come to church and I get involved in church life, my life will never be the same after today. In Jesus' name, and the people of God shouted amen. Amen. Let's give a big hand for all those who made decisions to follow Christ this morning. Come on church, it's a big day for them. Come on, amen. Becky's gonna come and give you some instructions as uh, to your next step. Becky, Mm -hmm. thank you.
0: Would you give a hand for Steve Corona please?